eternity, giver of every perfect thing, to you be the glory, maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your worth, king over all the universe, to you be the glory. I am alive because I'm alive. Y'all can do that one again sometime. That was great. Uh, so excited that you're here uh, at Northside today, um, especially if you are 
some guests. And so if you, especially if you're a first-time guest, we would uh, love to have a record of your visit. There's a little portion of the bulletin you can tear out and let us know who you are, how we can minister to you. Uh, you can come back and join us on Wednesday night. There's a, a slip in here to let us to, to let you know uh, about our menu for Wednesday night supper. So if you want to make reservations, be sure to fill that out as well. Um, but just so excited that, that you're here. Uh, God is good. God is faithful. Um, and uh, Bob, I know, <laughs> but we're excited that you're back and joining with us this morning in worship uh, on, on this side of the pond. And so uh, glad that the Lord took care of you. And, and um, so right now, I just want to uh, take a time to, to greet one another. So find somebody and, and shake their hand and let them know that you're excited to be in the Lord's house this morning. Nothing compares. 
Amen, amen. We think about Thanksgiving and being blessed. Children, if you will come and join me up here, please. All right. How are y'all doing? You can't see what I got way over there. You need to come this way. Come over here. All right. Does anybody know what this is? What is this? What is it? It's not a phone. Well, it's close, real close. It's something that it's this thing that it sees. Okay. Uh, well, it, you were close when you said it's a camera. Yes. It's not a GPS. It is a monitor. So it needs a camera to be attached to it uh, for it to work. And I hope the batteries are still uh, charged up good enough. Well, look at there. What do you see? Can you see something on it now? What do you see? A picture. All right. Somebody want to hold it? Just come and get it. Just come get it. Just hold it. All right. Keep looking at it and tell me if you, what you see. You see anything yet? No. Nothing? No. There's nothing on there? No. Are you sure? Well, yeah, there's something on there. It's kind of ugly, isn't it? It's you. Yeah, yeah, it's me. It's me. Look at that. Hey. Now what do you see? Your dad? Yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is, just, this is just a baby monitor, and it, and it echoes in here. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it off because that's really annoying. All right. But, yeah, this is just a monitor. So this, we call it a baby monitor. It could be a toddler monitor, or, or it could be a, I guess, mom or dad monitor if you needed to but um, set the set the camera up set the camera up in the in the room where, where you want to see and then you take this uh, monitor somewhere and you can see what's happening you can even hear what's going on but now here's here's the deal the reason we have this is because we're not always in the room whenever our children were really little uh, Brooklyn even you know a long time ago when you were just like two um, and, and we didn't know what was going on in the room, we could watch you and, and listen for you, and if something happened during the night or something like that, we could come and, and try to help you. But listen, what if, what, if, what if this happened? What if in the middle of the night you had something go on uh, and, and, and something was going on and you needed some help from your mom or dad and uh, we heard you and we saw you, but we never came into the room to help you? What, what do you think about that? Well, that would be kind of distant, wouldn't it? What? Yeah, without that help, it just kind of, sometimes it just kind of grows and grows, and so we, you need that help. But, and so when we have this monitor and we see what's going on, the, the real thing that, that, that helps out is then you see what's happening, and then mom or dad comes into the room, and tries to help you out. Well, it's not exactly that way with, with Jesus, but when, we, when you think about Jesus being born, when you think about baby Jesus coming at Christmas time, it's a little bit like that in that now God comes to us. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And so God just didn't look at us from a, from a distance and, 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 and leave us at a distance, but he actually came in the form of Jesus Christ and came to this 
world and lived among us. And you guys know the rest of that story. Not only did he come as a little baby in Bethlehem that we celebrate at Christmas, but he was obedient even as an adult and all went all the way to the cross, right? And so I want you to remember Emmanuel is God with us. He didn't just leave us way up in, up in the heavens and us down here on earth, but he came to earth in the, in the form of Jesus Christ. All right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you didn't just leave us, that you didn't just see us from a distance, but you came to us to save us from our sin. May we understand the power of that name, Emmanuel, God with us, and Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Curtis, we almost sang the fog away with sunshine and heavenly sunlight at our uh, hymns this morning. You know, folks, it's good to be with you today. It's good to be here and among God's people. Uh, sometimes when I'm not here, it feels like I've just, I don't know, like I've been around a bunch of stinky, wet dogs or something. And it's just, ugh. It's good to be back among God's people and hopefully wash that feeling away. Um, but anyway, um, I want to attempt by the end of the year to finish the book of Acts. That means that we're going to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, and so we'll be uh, in, in Acts chapter 21 is where we will start this morning. We'll end up in Acts chapter 23 if you want to go ahead and find that. Uh, and, and hold your place there, but um, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, my grandmother. My, my grandmother was born in, 
1917, and so uh, she was really uh, coming of age, so to speak, whenever the stock market crashed and lived through the Great Depression. Uh, her mother died when she was three years old, and, um, well, her mother was older, but when my grandmother was three, and her, her mother died, and uh, she had to quit school in the eighth grade uh, in order to go to work and help out around the house. Uh, my great-granddad owned a uh, department store, or a, a, not really a department store, but a, but a little country store, and she had to go help work in there and that kind of thing. And then as my grandmother got older, her husband died from cancer. I never met my granddad. He, he died when my dad was in high school. And a few years ago, my, my grandmother passed away. She was 89 years old. But somewhere in her late 80s, I remember having a conversation with her, uh, she was 87, 88 years old, something like that. And through this conversation, she told me that, she said, I want you to know something. God has never failed me. She became a believer in Christ when she was eight years old. And she could remember that time in, in her life. And, and, and I share some of those things in her life, growing up in the Great Depression, her husband dying young, and uh, some of the, the difficulties that she had growing up. But she could look at me and say, for 80 years, I've, I've been a, a, a Christian, and God has never failed me. And I've, I've, I've remembered that. Obviously, I've remembered that, but it stuck with me for a long time. God is faithful. God does not fail us. And I want us to remember that as we look at this, these, these, these passages here that, that chronicle Paul's life as he makes his trip to Jerusalem. And so we're going to do a little bit of acrobatics this morning as we turn some, some pages of Scripture. But I would ask if you would please to stand in honor of reading of God's Word. Uh, I'm going to begin reading Acts 21, verse 15. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Imnazion, a Cypriot and an early disciple with whom we were to stay. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers welcomed us gladly. The following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After, that, uh, after greeting them, he related in detail what God did among the Gentiles through his ministry. Now turn with me over to chapter 21, verse 40. After he had given permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hands to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. Move on now to verse 30 of chapter 22. The next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. Then he brought down Paul and placed him before them. Paul looked intently at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have believed in, in, uh, I, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience until this day. And now 23.11 says, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless its reading this morning. Speak 
now and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Like I said, I wanted to make an attempt to complete the book of Acts in, in this year, and I, I believe that I have a plan in order to do that. But I picked out a, a few little sections of the scripture in these last couple of chapters that we've, that we've looked at here. Uh, but there's, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Uh, one is I didn't feel like that I needed to read all of the chapter to you. That would just take quite a while, and uh, we just didn't have quite that much time. But the verses I picked out for you are significant in that they show the various crowds to whom uh, Paul addressed. They, they show some of the things that, that he talked about. And so last time we were here in the book of Acts, you have Paul leaving, uh, leaving uh, Ephesus and making his way to Jerusalem. And the first part of chapter 21 talks about his journey and all the places that he went. And, and, and as he gathered, you know, he visited the churches that he had been there before and he talked to the folks. But now he's in Jerusalem. And he gets to Jerusalem and he has opportunity to, to share what has taken place in all of his travels and all of his missionary journeys. He's going to Jerusalem. And what I want to tell you this morning is that for the purposes of this sermon, now there's, there's, there's other things that you can pull out of, of these passages, but for this morning, the primary significance of what I have for you this morning is I want us to look at to whom Paul spoke. Who did he speak to? Who were the, who were the groups of people that, that Paul spoke to? That's of primary significance for, for this sermon to get to the point that I'm going to get to at the end. But of secondary significance, and we will look at this as well, or what were the things that he said? So, now, oftentimes we might think that what was said is more important. Very well may be. But right now for this sermon, we're going to look at who he spoke to first. And the second, secondary significance there is what did he actually say? So, of primary significance, of primary significance, to whom did Paul speak? Well, the reason I chose that as the primary significance is because it points to the primary truth. It points to the main idea of what I want to get across today. And that is simply this. God is faithful. God is faithful. You will hear that often this morning. But let's look. What is this primary significance in these passages here? To whom did Paul witness or to whom did he testify if you look at chapter 21 again, verses 17 through 19, we see that he addressed Jewish believers. When he first arrived into town, when he first arrived into Jerusalem, he met with some of those who had been there for a long time, perhaps some who had been a, who had been a witness to the day of Pentecost. But he, he spoke first to those who had become believers in Jesus Christ, who had trusted that this Jesus, who had been crucified in the... In, in, in the city of Jerusalem, who have been crucified on Golgotha, who have been risen from the dead, that he is the Messiah. So he spoke first to the believers that were there in Jerusalem. But that's not all the people that were in Jerusalem. There were also some Jews who were not believers, who were antagonistic against this thing they called the way. They were antagonistic toward the church, antagonistic toward all things that having to do with Jesus Christ. And so if you look over in chapter 21, uh, specifically verses 39 and 40, you'll see that Paul spoke also to a Jewish mob. So he's there speaking with the believers. 
Um, he goes into the temple and he's, he's proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And, some, and, and there are folks that don't like it. He's in, he's in the hub of Judaism. And they don't like it. And so they drag him out. They're getting ready to beat him and, and, and to, to kill him when some of the Roman authorities hear about it. And they say, no, 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 no. We've we, we got to maintain peace. Let's, let's, let's calm down. Let's, let's not have this big riot. Let's, let's, let's see what's going on here. And we'll try to handle this in a peaceful manner. But he's able to then speak to the Jewish mob. And then eventually, when everything calms down a little bit, they say, well, let's take you to the Sanhedrin. You know, let's take you to not just, not just Jewish riffraff or Jewish mob or, or Jewish folks that, uh, you know, just, just want to tear you apart. Let's take you to the educated, the elite of the Jewish. Let's take you before the Sanhedrin. And so, Paul gets to testify again before the Sanhedrin. And he shares, what does he share? He shares the gospel. But of primary significance, and I want to show you this, it points to this truth that God is faithful. But the secondary significance, so if, if, we, if we see who he spoke to, let's look at now, what did he say? And the secondary significance, it also points to this primary truth, this underlying truth, that God is faithful. Well, what did Paul say? Well, look at chapter 22. Look at chapter 22. Look at verses 12 through 15. Let me read these. 22, 12 through 15. And as he is retelling his story, he's retelling his story here, uh, before the Jewish mob. And he says this, Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good reputation with all the Jews residing there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour I looked up and saw him. And then he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the sound of his voice. And then look at this. For you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. Paul tells them this. He, re, he, he recounts his personal testimony, his encounter with the Lord. If you will remember, back in chapter 9 of Acts, when we first encounter this story, it sounds very similar, specifically verse 15 and 16 of chapter 9. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. This is God speaking to Ananias. And he's telling him that he needs to go to see this man named Saul because he's a chosen instrument. And he would proclaim his name before Gentiles, before kings, and before the Israelites. Paul is retelling this story. And as he's retelling this story, we see this underlying truth again that God is faithful. God is faithful. He shares his conversion and his call to ministry, to missions, to carry the name of Jesus. But I want to pause here for just a minute and ask you this question. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Can you think of a time 
which you had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he saved you from death into life. I hope you do. But if you don't, we can make that, we, we, we can certainly help you in that regard today. And I would love for that to be the case today. But your testimony, as you retell your testimony, there, there, there are three phases of your testimony you need to cover. What was your life before Christ? So we need to, we don't glorify that. We don't, I, some people have this really dramatic testimony. Uh, Paul certainly did, had a dramatic testimony. But he doesn't, he, he doesn't reject his former life as far as forgetting it, but he doesn't glorify it either. Sometimes I hear people talk about their, their, their testimony, they talk about their life before Christ, and they almost smile, you know, with all the, the things that they did and who they were before Christ, but we, sh we shouldn't be excited about that. When we should never forget it, but we certainly don't glorify it. But you talk about your life before Christ. Who were you before Christ? What kind of sin was part of your life? You need to remember that. And then... Think about those circumstances that led you to that place where you met the Lord. Was it in Sunday school or vacation Bible school? Was it at a revival meeting? Were you alone by, your, by yourself? Were you, were you praying? Were you reading scripture? Was someone there talking to you? What were the circumstances where you said, I know that moment I gave my life to the Lord because I recognized that I was living in sin and I was apart from God? And, and I met Jesus that night, and he changed me forever. There was a burden that was lifted. There was hope that came to me. There was a joy that filled my life. Just like we sang this morning, now there's sunshine in my soul, even when it's foggy outside, because I met Jesus that day. Can you remember? And you don't even have to remember the exact date on the calendar. That's not as significant as remembering that moment when Jesus came into your life and transformed your life. And now, what has your life been like since? It ought to look a little different than it did before. It's not completely different because sin is still a part of our life. But now we walk. We walk in a newness of life. We walk with hope, with joy, because of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Those three components need to make up your testimony. Who were you before you met Christ? How did you meet Christ? And now how has he impacted your life since then? I would, uh, I would encourage you to, if you haven't done it in a while, sit down maybe this afternoon and write it out. It doesn't have to be very long. It can be something fairly, fairly short. I would also encourage you, especially if you are uh, someone who's on social media a lot, go to, uh, go to this website, whativaluemost.com. Whativaluemost.com. That's a, that's a great website where you can, you, you can, you can go there. Um, it'll give you some structure in just these exact three parts. Who were you before Christ? How did you meet Christ? And what is your life after Christ? And what's, what's really awesome about that is, is once, you, once you go there and you put that in, you can tell people, you can, push, you can put this on social media, hey, check out this website and put my name in. And they go to the website, they type in your name, and your testimony shows up. 
it's a great little thing. If you have a business card, you can put that on there. You can put it on your business card, and people can get your business card, and they can go and read about your testimony. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a passive way to share your testimony. Now, it should no, in, by no means replace actually speaking to people, but it's a great way to just get your testimony out there. You can go to that website. I would encourage you to wait about 30 minutes or so, but you can go to that website and type in my name, and you can read my testimony. I did this several years ago, and I realized I need to update it. Uh, because it's, it's a couple years old. But you can do that. I'd encourage you, I would encourage you to do that. The secondary significance of, this, of these passages here that I want to look at is, what does, what does Paul say? He shares his testimony. He talks about his conversion and his call. So what was his call? Well, again, chapter 9, verse 15 says, My chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. And as he retells it here, 22.15, he says, You will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. The secondary significance, what Paul says, well, it supports that primary truth. God is faithful. God is faithful. Well, listen, even, even this, his overall travels and his, his journey that he takes as he goes from Antioch and Ephesus and, and, and all of the different places that he visits in the, the, the Greek mainland and the islands, as he gets back to Jerusalem. Now he's in Jerusalem, and here's a little preview for the next few weeks. He's going to make his way to Rome. Even his journeys support this idea that God is faithful. He's making his way back to Jerusalem, and now he's going to go to Rome, and it's going to fulfill the promise that the Lord spoke over his life that we read first in, in chapter 9, Take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. Even his travels are a fulfillment of the prophecy that the Lord spoke over his life. God is faithful. Twenty-three, eleven, Chapter 23, verse 11. Let me read that one one more time. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said... Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The Lord is speaking to him, reminding him, this is what I've called you to do, and I'm faithful to carry out what I've, what I've promised to you. You will testify, but remember chapter 9. You will also suffer. Paul has suffered. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. We'll see soon he'll be shipwrecked. He'll be bitten by snakes. He will be chased out of town. He will have to sneak out of town. Uh, people don't like him. Some people do. But a lot of people don't. They don't like his message. They want to silence him in many different ways. He gets drugged before uh, various councils and, 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 and kings and he has to claim Roman citizenship in order to not be flogged and, uh, and, and he suffers God is faithful but he's proclaiming the name of Jesus before the Sanhedrin before the Gentiles in, in, in Greece before kings and he'll get the chance before Caesar because God is faithful what does all this mean for you and me 
So God was faithful to Paul. But what does this mean for you and me? Well, this past week, this past week we celebrated Thanksgiving. And I, I hope you had plenty to eat. I had, I didn't have plenty. I had too, too much plenty. Uh, but we celebrated Thanksgiving. And many of you have already begun even before Thanksgiving. And some of you waited until after Thanksgiving. And, uh, but to decorate for Christmas. And we know that December is right here at us on the, on the calendar. And Christmas is right around the corner. And um, I want you to think about Christmas for just a minute. Think about Christmas. Think about what Matthew recorded for us. Matthew chapter 1. He, he says this when he's speaking about the things that are taking place around Jesus' birth. Kind of some of the very first words we gather in the New Testament. Matthew 1, says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. See, Jesus is coming. Jesus' birth, his, his coming into this world, Emmanuel, God with us, it's a promise that is fulfilled because God is faithful. In all of the pageantry of Christmas, as we move into this Christmas season, this, this time of year, and and I love it. I love this time of year. I, I love all of the, the pageantry and, uh, of, of Christmas, the, the, the lights and the greenery and uh, the, the, the nativity and the carols that we sing, the parties and the presents we exchange, the hot cider and those good cookies. I love all of that. Memories from years past and then all those moments that we make and we have memories yet to come. But in all of that, and all of the hustle and bustle is the phrase we use. And all of that pageantry of Christmas. Let's not forget that Emmanuel, that baby boy, virgin birth, the angels that proclaimed his coming, was a fulfillment of great promise. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. And he always has been. You can look back at the book of Joshua. At the end of the book of Joshua, as he's, as he's standing recounting the things of the Lord before the Israelites, he says this, None of the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. You may have heard me say this already this morning, but God is faithful. God is faithful. He provided a child to Abraham and Sarah. God is faithful. He led Israel out from the Pharaoh into the promised land. God is faithful. The Messiah came as a babe in a manger. This Jesus, the Christ, God is faithful. This same child was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross of Calvary. God is faithful. Paul testified before Gentiles, kings, and the Israelites. You see, God is faithful. He was faithful to my grandmother. She said he's never failed her. He's been faithful to me. I can tell you story after story of God's faithfulness. And if I ask for testimonies, you can stand up and share testimonies of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. And what's amazing to me is, as Christians, we so often will trust the Lord with our eternity. 
But we have a hard time trusting him with Monday morning. We have a hard time trusting him when he says, forgive. <laughs> are, you, are you sure, Lord? Is that what I'm supposed to do? We can trust him with our eternal salvation, but we have a hard time trusting those other truths, those other promises that are in Scripture. Will you trust him today? Will you trust the Lord? Because God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Even when I stumble or even when I intentionally run from you, Lord, you're faithful. God, thank you. My goodness. And Lord, I guess it comes down to an element of trust. Will we trust you? Maybe there's somebody here who has never trusted you with salvation. They've never trusted you with their life for now and for all eternity. Lord, I pray today is the day that they would, that they would turn in saving faith toward you, that they would repent and come to know, come to know you. <clears throat> trust you and receive the hope but most of all, receive Jesus himself. So, Father, I pray for that today. But maybe it's something else. Maybe there's some part of our life that we've not yet wanted to trust you with. Lord, there's a lot of Christians in this room, and we've trusted you with eternity. Surely we can trust you with this week, with this month, with whatever it is that's before us, because, God, you're faithful. Thank you for how you have shown that through the life of so many folks in Scripture, Paul. Lord, thank you for how you've shown your faithfulness to people that we know that we can talk to and we can touch. Thank you for being faithful with me. May I be faithful to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I would ask you to be faithful. Trust the Lord. I don't know where he may be leading or guiding you today, but will you trust him? Spend some time right now with your creator, with your, with your Lord. And however he leads, would you follow him? Stand now and you spend some time with him as we sing this last song. The altar is open if you want to come and pray. I'll be happy to pray with you. It may be that you just need to pray right there in your chair, but however God speaks, you listen.
ask if you would uh, be seated for just a moment. Uh, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things in uh, the bulletin. Know that tonight is our quarterly church conference at 7. Uh, and all of our regular activities will be back up and running tonight. Awana at 525. And um, youth at 6 o'clock. Adult discipleship will be in here at 6 o'clock as well. And then um, our ministry leaders meeting uh, next, next Sunday uh, after... Uh, next Sunday afternoon, love for you to come together and um, let's uh, look at our calendars for the for the coming year. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to share one other thing with you this morning, uh, so if you will bear with me for just a moment. Um, back in March of this year. Back in March of this year, the deacon body made a recommendation to the church that I would serve as interim pastor. And the church voted unanimously to approve their recommendation. Um, and I've truly enjoyed my time about what it looks like to serve in this role. I know that I still have some areas of growth, but I rest in knowing that the Lord is still working on me. And God is faithful. However, after much prayer and godly counsel, I believe that the best interest of the church that I need to step down as interim. I believe that the church needs someone who's especially gifted, trained, and called as an interim pastor to come and guide our church through the next several months of transition and healing. Furthermore, I believe that to better ensure and afford a fair opportunity for the next candidate, there needs to be some time between my filling the pulpit each week and the next man. Um, I hope that I still get to finish the book of Acts through the end of the year. Um, but I would ask that you pray for your deacons as they look to find an interim pastor. I plan to continue serving as associate pastor to work uh, and, and hopefully to work more diligently with our students. I also believe that this will free me up to work more closely with the pastor search committee. And now at this time, I do not have any plans to leave Northside. As I have said before, it feels like home. And it really does. And I believe that our best days are ahead of us. I want to thank you for your words of encouragement, your prayers, and your friendship. And to God be the glory. Thank you. ask Mike if you will come and close us in a word of prayer.
ask that you help us to open our hearts and be a loving